turning this morning to uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 44. John, chapter 6, and verse 44. Uh, No man can come to me, the words of Christ, except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Well, friends, uh, I'm this morning uh, beginning a short series of studies, doctrinal studies, on the order of salvation, the order of salvation, how God works in a person to bring him, to bring her to faith in Christ, and then what happens to them after they believe. Well, when we see a person converted uh, to Christ, we, we may think, think of it as just some instantaneous event something that has uh, happened uh, out of the blue. This person uh, once was not a Christian and now is a Christian. Once didn't go to church and now is going to church. Was, once wasn't a believer in Christ, but now he or she is a believer. They've heard the gospel, they've repented, they believed in Christ, and they're converted. And it may just seem almost like a haphazard event something that's just happened, fallen out of the sky as a gift from heaven uh, that uh, the person has come uh, through to the Lord. Whereas actually, friends, as you will see, the Bible teaches us that there is a process uh, behind a conversion. There are different stages that a person uh, goes through and passes through. Uh, biblical, uh, biblically, this is what we are, we are told. There are different stages that person passes through from the time that he hears the gospel call for the very first time to the time that he becomes a believer and becomes conscious that he is a believer in Christ. It's rather like, you could say, a a birth. If a friend of yours or a family member, a relative, uh, comes, phones you and gives you the news, the good news, They've had a baby boy, or it's a, a new birth, there's a baby girl in the family. Well, you rejoice and you're very glad uh, to hear that news. But you know, subconsciously of course, you don't think deliberately, but you know that that uh, couple have been through a process, that there's a, it hasn't been an instantaneous overnight event. You know that there is a process behind that birth that began with conception and eventually led to the birth of that baby. Well, it's no dissimilar, really, when we think about the new birth and about uh, conversion. In the, uh, behind every conversion, friends, there is a process, there is an order of salvation, there are various stages. has to be, isn't it? After all, when you think who the author of our salvation is, it's God himself, and he's a God of order. He doesn't do things, really, haphazardly, He works usually according to his purposes, according to his decrees and his plans. He has those already in mind. And according to what he has decreed and planned, so he carries out uh, his work. So when he begins that work in a person with a view to saving them, with a view to uh, bringing them to himself, 
with a view to fitting that particular person for a relationship with him, where they are at peace with him, where they are adopted into his uh, family, and then uh, eventually taking them all the way through life and watching over them, guiding them through all the struggles and pains of life, helping them by faith to overcome, and then to eventually bring them all the way to glory. That's, the, that's what he does. Well, there's a a process behind that work, that call. And that's what we want uh, to consider in our studies over the next uh, few weeks. Uh, Romans 8 verse 30 is probably the closest that we get to actually showing us clearly that the order, that there is a sequence. Romans chapter 8 and verse 30 says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, this verse is uh, well known as the golden chain of salvation. But you can see here, there's a sequence. There's a sequence to it. It begins in eternity past, where God has chosen his elect. He's chosen that particular uh, group of people who are going to believe in him, that elect number, and then in time he begins to work. He calls that in individual and he calls uh, them to faith uh, in him, and then they, they come, they hear uh, these things, and then he, they respond to them, they, he justifies them, he brings them into his family uh, through adoption, and then he takes them uh, to glory. It's a logical uh, sequence uh, to it. It may happen all in a moment of time. And in a very short time, uh, maybe just an hour, or maybe a day, or may, often it's uh, usually something longer. It's a gradual process, but it uh, happens. Uh, 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 it's a work, uh, an orderly work of the, the Spirit of God. But it can happen, as I said, instantaneously. I heard of a lady... And she was outside a church, a Gothic church, a very impressive building. And she wanted to see what the inside of the building is like. So she went inside and looked around. And then it was, uh, I think it was the evening service. And uh, she decided out of politeness, I'll stay. And I listened, uh, joined the service, and I listened to the message. And uh, as she was listening, God spoke to her. And she was converted in an hour. She was converted. By the end of that meeting, she was a professing believer and a faith in Christ. She'd never heard the gospel really before that time. So God can do it in, a, in, that, in that way. But often we see a more gradual uh, unfolding. A little bit of time is given as a, the seeker, uh, be, before the seeker becomes a, a believer. Well, we want to ex expand a little bit on this uh, sequence here in Romans 8 and verse 13. These are the, the subjects uh, that we will be looking at, beginning with calling uh, today, effectual calling, general calling, uh, then into regeneration. Uh, then after regeneration comes a repentance and faith. When a person's brought alive by the Spirit of God, that's what makes them repent and respond to the gospel. And that's followed by uh, the new birth and justification, being right with God. Adoption uh, will come next. Sanctification, seeking to live a holy, pure life, followed by glorification in the world to come. And we'll look through uh, these uh, over the next few weeks. Now, this may all sound like biblical jargon to you. 
What's all these words, these technical words? Can't you keep it simple? Well, I'll try. I'll try and keep it simple. But friends, it's important that we know what these words mean. They are biblical words. And every field, as you know, has special terms. If you, if you, if you are concerned, a person who is environmentally friendly, you're concerned to protect the environment, well, you might want to take your car to the, to the garage and say, can you fit a catalytic converter to my exhaust? And they'll know exa exactly what you mean. But you have every, uh, or if you want to buy a house today, I'm not sure anyone would want to do that, the way mortgage rates are. But if you want to buy a house today, well, you need to know, how am I going to pay it? What method shall I use to repay my, my mortgage? Shall I get a, repay, a capital repayment mortgage or an interest-only repayment mortgage? What, which type shall I use? You need to be familiar with these terms before you make your decision. So every field has its own special terms. And so uh, the, the Bible, too, has its own special terms. And it's good uh, for us uh, to know what they are. So we begin this morning, friends, with calling. God is calling. This is the first stage in this order of salvation. It's a call from God. It's a call from heaven to you and to me, to all. It's a call, friends, uh, to Him. Implied in this word call is to be called from one place to another place. God calls us from darkness to light. From a life without God to a life with Him. From unbelief, He calls us to faith. From being at a living at a distance to Him, where God is some unknown being uh, far, far away, He calls us into a personal relationship with Him, where we know Him and we walk with Him day by day. And He speaks to us and we speak to Him. And He's our guide and He's our friend through life. He calls us to such a life. He calls us from a life of sin and rebellion against Him, a life really of self-destruction, we could say, to a life of faith and a life of trusting Him and a life of holiness and a life of real uh, happiness. This is God's call, friends. This is what God's, God's call that comes to each and every one of us. It goes out to everyone. Uh, the, through the preaching of the gospel, through the witnessing of friends, through some maybe online article that you read, the word of God, uh, the call of God comes to each and every person. Theologians call this the general call or the universal call, the universal offer of salvation that God uh, gives to each and every one. Well, we'll look at that general call just in a minute. But not everyone responds. God calls but some respond, some uh, do not. Why? I know uh, two, two brothers who were growing up together with their grandma. And uh, when the grandma, they would sit in front of the, the sitting room and uh, watching TV. And uh, the grandma would call from the kitchen, it's time for dinner. And the younger son would respond. The elder son the elder brother didn't. He just carried on. He was glued to the TV. There was no reaction to the voice. Grandma kept calling. The one brother went. The other brother didn't. Well, that's what happens in a way, you could say, uh, spiritually. God calls. Some people respond. Sadly, many no, uh, do not. Are they too glued to the things of this world? Too glued to time? Well, 
Why do some respond and some do not? Some receive this message so heartily, and others reject it, maybe angrily, or maybe just politely, but they still reject it. Why? We read this in John chapter 6, and the Lord was, was speaking there. There were many thousands who were following after him, and he, he laid down, as it were, this is the gospel, this is what you've got to do to believe in me. This is discipleship, this is what it means to follow after me. And what happened? Many left him. Many d- departed from him when he said those words. But then he turned to his disciples, his, the twelve, and he said, Will ye also go away? And you remember their words, that wonderful uh, words. They, uh, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a difference. So many left him, but Peter and the other apostles stuck with Jesus. Why? Why did they do that? Well, friends, is it something in us? Was it something in them that was special, that was different from other people? Was it just their choice, just their free will? It's up to them whether they take or not. The Bible says no. The Bible says no. The reason why men and women uh, receive Christ is because God first works in their heart. It's because God is working in them and He's not working in the others. Man cannot by his own efforts and his own will uh, to make him uh, seek after God. He doesn't want to do that. Even if he tried, he doesn't want to. He has no inclination to do that. So God must work in his heart before he will ever uh, make, uh, come to him. God has, works in a person to make them willing uh, to come to the Savior. It is he, friends, who works behind the scenes and that causes a person to respond positively when that call comes from God. That's the other part of calling, effectual calling. So on the one hand, you have a general universal call, which goes out to all, but then you have effectual calling, which is that call of God, which brings a person to Christ. Well, let's just look very quickly at uh, at these two aspects of the call. Firstly, that general call, that external call, the, the universal offer of the gospel. Louis Burkhoff, the uh, famous theologian, uh, put it like this, the, present, it's, the general call is the presentation and offering of salvation in Christ to sinners, together with an earnest exhortation to accept Christ by faith in order to obtain the forgiveness of sins and life eternal. That's it, friends. That's the general call. God calling to all indiscriminately. Uh, but it's a very sincere call. It's a call uh, that is a, a, a bona fide call. It, he means what he says. God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. So when he calls and calls sinners to himself, it's a genuine call that comes from his heart. He cannot say one thing and mean uh, another. It's a sincere, earnest call from God. Why will you die? Why will you die? Uh, the prophet, God said in Ezekiel, why? It's a, an earnest call. Can you hear the tones of God himself? And then the apostle Paul says, God did beseech you by us. God is beseeching sinners. Be reconciled with him. 
It's an earnest call, an urgent call. It's not a call, oh, do as you like. If you want it, take it. If you don't want it, reject it. It's up to you. It's not like that. It's a deep concern in the Father's heart, in the Savior's heart, in the Spirit's heart for sinners. Oh, friends, this is our God. Well, that's general call. Is it true? Let me just give you some scriptures to prove it. Uh, Mark chapter 16 uh, and verses 15 to 16 that uh, last commit, that commission of Christ, that last words that he gave to his apostles before he went into heaven. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, listen, to every creature. Preach to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Uh, it's a gospel a commission that was passed on, given to them, but passed on from generation to generation, and it's now in our hands. This commission is in your hands. You have that responsibility, like I do, to, as a believer, to take the gospel, to, to be a witness, to tell other people about Christ. That's to every creature, those who are in your, your pathway. Will everyone receive the gospel? Will everyone believe? Will everyone want to be reconciled with God? No. Even uh, Christ here is telling the apostles, some will believe it, but some will reject it. Some won't believe. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. Uh, God again speaking His very words, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. It's an earnest call again from God to all, not just the Jews, but to all the ends of the earth to look to Him for salvation. It was a call, cast away your idols and look to the living God for salvation. Something similar uh, in, in Numbers chapter 21. Uh, there, the Israelites on their journey uh, through, from uh, Egypt going towards uh, Israel and, uh, or the, the promised land. And uh, there were murmurers along the way, all the time finding fault with God and with Moses for some reason or another. Just like us, isn't it? And are always finding some reason to complain. And they complained on one occasion against the Lord. And the Lord uh, sent uh, snakes, fiery snakes, uh, into the camp in judgment. And then Moses prayed and uh, the Lord told Moses, make a serpent of brass, put it in the middle of the camp. And whoever looks to that serpent of brass, well, they'll be healed. If they've been bitten by a snake, they'll be healed instantaneously. But you know what? Not everyone looked. Many were bitten, but not everybody looked to that brass snake. Some refused to look out of pride or some other reason, but those who did look were saved. So the, the call is, look to the, look to the, uh, the brass serpent, It'll, you'll, you'll be healed. Some did, some didn't. And of course, that's a picture of Christ and of Calvary and the cross. Look to the Christ on the cross. Whoever looks to Christ, you will be saved. Not everyone looks. Well, as well as this gospel word, uh, look, we also have another in, in come. Uh, is that restricted uh, only uh, to the elect? Is the Lord only saying to the elect, come, come unto me? No, friends. It was an invitation to all and sundry, to everyone. Listen to his words, John 7, 57, 37. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Any man come. 
Matthew 11, 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. No, no restrictions. It's open uh, to all. If you feel that you need the Lord, come, he says. The parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. Again, you remember how it was a, a grand occasion. It was the, the king's uh, son's uh, wedding reception. Invitations have been sent out. Surely all the people want to go. But one by one, those initial guests who were invited came up with feeble excuses. I can't go. I've married a wife. I can't go. I've got land to see and so on. Feeble excuses. They didn't go. So what did the king do? He sent his servants into the highways and said, whoever you are, whoever you meet, invite them uh, to the wedding. And many came. It's a general call went out, you see, uh, to uh, everyone. Oh, friends, you uh, examine uh, the preaching of Christ. You look at the preaching of the apostles, and you will see uh, that this, uh, this uh, general call goes out uh, to all indiscriminate, indiscriminately. In Spurgeon's time, there was a man who, who came to Spurgeon and uh, said to him, Now, Mr. Spurgeon, you must preach the gospel only to the elect people. And Spurgeon said, show me the elect and I will preach to them. Well, we don't know. We don't know who are, who are God's. Only after a person believes, then we know who are the Lord's. So we preach to all, and that's what uh, Spurgeon did. Listen again uh, to Christ's words. But as well as, as this call being indiscriminate unto all, remember, friends, it's also conditional. It's a conditional call. It's, it's a call to uh, those who respond to the call will be blessed. John eleven twenty six. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this, the words to Martha? Whosoever, anyone, but that the person who uh, must believe in the Lord. They must turn to him. That's the person who shall never die. Acts 2, 21, that famous uh, uh, sermon of Peter's on the day of Pentecost, his very first sermon. Again, he's quoting Joel. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. It's open to all. We're all saved? No. Only those who called on the name of the Lord. Only those who responded. So there's a condition to this, this call. 3,000, we read, gladly received uh, his word and were baptized. But friends, why? Again, we ask, why did these 3,000 gladly receive the gospel then? So many of them, no doubt, had also seen the miracles of Christ. They'd heard the preaching and the teaching of Christ, and it had made no difference. Some of them, no doubt, had even seen him die on the cross, and it still didn't touch their hearts. Yet now, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter is preaching... They repent. They're concerned. Suddenly, they are concerned about their eternal state. Suddenly, they, they realize the terrible thing that they have done to crucify the Lord. Suddenly, they want to know, what must I do to be saved? Why the change? Well, as we said, it's because God has worked in their hearts. It's because now, as never before, deep down within them, in their heart, they have heard 
the call of God. Not just the outward call, the external call. They've heard inwardly in their hearts uh, God calling to them. And they want uh, to respond uh, to it. They cannot help but respond to it. It's a work, it's a call that cannot really be resisted. This is the effectual call, the second call, second part of calling. And it's an effectual call is an internal call. It's a spiritual call that comes to every believer. And he feels, I cannot, I must have the Lord. You know, before conversion, it is God seeking after you and me, isn't it? It is God seeking us. It's as if God is pursuing after us. We don't want anything to do with Him. We're on, we run from Him. And God, as it were, is pursuing after us, calling after us to come to Him. But when that call comes into our hearts, and God works in our hearts, it's sort of the other way around. And what happens? We begin to seek the Lord. And the Lord seems... Uh, we, don't see, we don't have Him, and that's a concern for us. And we, we, we want to have the Lord. We want to have salvation. We want to be known as His. We want to be forgiven our sins. So we become earnest after Him. What a change God has done in our hearts and in our lives. Well, some scriptures to bear this out. In uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5, uh, Paul said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Paul and his companions, they went into that uh, Greek city, Thessalonica, and the first time there, well, they didn't have a church to go to and preach. They probably got up maybe in the marketplace or some other public place, and Paul got up and he preached. And as he preached uh, the word, as he preached the gospel, people were converted. People were heard these things. And then the next day, uh, again, he went, uh, got that group together, and others joined them, and he preached again and the, the gospel, and again, souls were converted. Why? Is it the word? He tells us no. Not, yes, the word is there. Yes, the, the message of the gospel must be preached, but it's not the word only. It's the word accompanied by the Spirit of God. A word also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. The word on its own, it's wonderful, it's, it's, it's inspired, but it cannot wrought a change in a person's life on its own. It must be accompanied by the work of the Spirit in a person's heart. So here it's not signs and wonders that uh, Paul convinced the people. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in the people in Thessalonica. That's what made them listen. That's what made them attentive uh, hearers. Oh, you know, friends, isn't it? Talk about attentive hearers. You know when God is working in, in, your, in a person, because sometimes when, <laughs> you can see it sometimes from the, from the pulpit here, uh, people are listening, but some people are not listening. Some people, their minds are elsewhere, and they're not, for a long time, maybe many weeks, they're like that. But then one day they come and suddenly you've got their attention. Suddenly they're all ears and they're listening and they're attentive and they're on the edge of their seats wanting to know more. Well, that's God's work. That's what God has done in them. John 6, uh, 44. Uh, these words that we read. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Oh, nothing could be clearer, isn't it, than that. You are unable to come to, to the Lord. You don't want to come to the Lord before, uh, before, before He works in us. 
we are unwilling, there's a, a deep unwillingness in our hearts. We'd rather run from Him than go to Him. That's what life was like before us. We cannot. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. There it is again. God must do something in that person. God must give that man, that woman, a new disposition which they never had before. God must incline their heart so that he wants to come. God doesn't come to us in a forceful way and shake us and terrify us and make us, and make us force us uh, to, to follow Christ. He doesn't drag us to Christ, kicking and screaming against our will, badgering us into the kingdom of God. That's not how God works. God works by drawing us to Himself. We begin to see how, uh, as He works in our hearts, how great He is how wonderful he is. We want, uh, we want him. Look at verse 45. It's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. The person uh, whom God is working effectually, they begin to understand things because God is teaching them himself. They begin to understand their position as sinners, as needy people. They began to begin to see something of the worth of Christ, the preciousness of Christ, the need of Christ, and so they come to him. So they go to him, Lord, save me. Lord, make me one of your children. They see these things that they never saw before because God has condescended to teach them. Oh, friends, these are wonderful things. Oh, for, there are some here, and they will tell you these things, how they, they've heard many, many gospel sermons before, and it had no deep e effect on them. It just went over their heads, maybe. Or it may be they, they were bored with these things. But then there came a day when that very same message made a difference. The preaching that was spoken uh, gripped them, and compel them to believe. In many cases, we hear about uh, individuals sitting in the congregation who felt, well, the preacher is talking all about me. <laughs> How does he know my situation? How does he know what's happened to me? Well, he doesn't. But God does. And that's what, uh, that's what the Lord uh, does. And they feel compelled. They, uh, irresistibly, they have to have Christ. They cannot do without Christ. They must seek Him and find Him, and they have no rest until they do. It doesn't always, as I said, happen instantaneously. It may be gradual. If you're brought up in a Christian home, well, it may be you come over a longer period of time before you see these things. So this is effectual calling, friends. God working in us by His Spirit, creating within us a new disposition, a new principle of life, a new spiritual fa faculty, a new inclination towards Him so that when that call comes, we respond to it in a positive way. Some people ask, if Christianity is true, they say, but why don't the intellectuals believe in Him? Why doesn't Richard Dawkins believe in Him? And there was that Christopher Hitchens, that eloquent speaker, so intelligent and uh, so capable in so many ways. Uh, scientific people, these are. Why don't they believe in Him? Well, the answer is here, friends. Because God hasn't worked in their hearts. God hasn't given them that spiritual understanding to see spiritual things. We need spiritual enlightenment. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 2. 
and they, hasn't, they haven't got that from the Lord. So they continue uh, in that way. Spiritual discernment is involved here. So we can see effectual calling is actually very closely intertwined with our next subject, which is regeneration and the new birth and uh, coming, uh, what God does in a person's heart. And God willing, we will look at that next week. But I must come to a close. Friends, what does this all mean for us? Maybe I'm not a Christian here today. Maybe I, I know I don't have that disposition for the Lord. If I'm honest with myself, I'll say, well, yeah, really, I don't have a disposition for spiritual things. I'm an earthly person still. Can I just say then, because you have said these things, that God must first work in my heart. I'll just wait for God to work in my heart, and then I will respond. No, friends, you can't do that. Because God's command to all men everywhere is to repent and to believe in Christ. And as you do that, uh, he, will help, he will help you. But it's a command that we must all respond, respond to. I cannot use effectual calling as an excuse for not believing. Am I a doubting believer? Lacking some assurance that I belong to the Lord? But you look at your experience, friend. You look at what the Lord has done in your life. You've been drawn to Him. You understand things uh, spiritually. You appreciate spiritual things. They are your priority in life. You love them. You're keen to learn. You're keen to hear sermons. You want to know more about the Lord. You prefer God's people uh, to the worldlings. You, prefer, you feel like a fish out of water when you're in the company of others. Or when you're with God's people. Oh, you're as, as happy as anything, as it were. You're comfortable there. God has worked in you, friend. Doubt no more. Praise Him for it. Give thanks to God for it. Give Him the glory. Don't deny Him the glory that he, for that work He has done in you. And then, uh, finally, am I a believer? Effectually call or oh, keep that in mind. Remember the great calling. It's God who has called you uh, to glory. It's God who has called you. Hear the words of uh, uh, Paul, Ephesians 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith ye are called. We have to live according to our high calling. Remember what a privilege. God has called me to walk with Him. God has called me to represent Him in this world. I now belong to Him. I must now serve Him. I must walk, be very careful about my walk. I must walk holily. I must walk humbly. I must walk obediently. I must walk gratefully. I must walk lovingly with Him and with others. Oh, may the Lord help us. Uh, to respond to his call. And ever remember the great privilege that is ours if we are truly called of him. Let's close by seeing our final hymn, number 356. Let every mortal here attend. 356. <laughs>